the legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no heart, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. Hello, sir. Episode 105. 105. You know what that means? No, I don't. That means that this is the first episode Hmm? of like the next year. This episode, these fan stories will Ah. be stories, the very first stories you would find in next year's Scared to Death book. Oh, very cool. This is the first episode not in the book this year. On to to year three. Woohoo! Over over a hundred straight weeks of scares. That's uh, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of spooks. A lot of spooks. Uh, new charity, new live show, new merch to talk about. Before we quickly dive into today's scares, okay. Uh, we doing our second live scare to death show from right here in the studio on Thursday night, October twenty eighth, six p.m. Pacific time, right before Halloween. Right. And we're gonna do it through MomentHouse.com. Uh, we'll announce the show's theme, exact sh- you know uh, ticket information soon. Uh, here on the show and on our socials, I just want to put it on your radar now. Yeah, just uh, mark it on your calendar. Mm-hmm. We're just it's gonna uh, be fun. Yeah, we're sorting out the details, and it's gonna be exciting. And it'll be more stories that will only be told for that show and mm-hmm. won't be heard after that. Correct, one and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and actually, I think you get seventy-two hours after, like, for the way these sites work. Yeah, you know, so you'll get it for like well, three days. Yeah, it's it's a little yeah. bit different on Moment House. So oh. just oh, hang right. tight, and we're sorting that all out. Uh, also in the store now at BadMagicMerch.com, a Revelations tea coaster and coffee mug. Oh yeah, oh. I'm so into this. Oh yeah, this design it reminds me of stained glass in like a medieval church. I'm so mad because we have the mug and we have the coasters. And did I bring them into the studio with me this morning? No. Oh yeah, we were rushing this morning. Yeah, we got some family stuff going on. We were just like hauling ass into ah. here. I was like, oh. Uh, it reminds me of like a, a stained glass in like a mm-hmm. like a like a dark medieval church. Yeah, just like a. Oh. Mm-hmm. Looks incredible. Uh, well, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. Uh, we here at Bad Magic's Productions or Bad Magic's Bad Magic Productions. We do so many magics here. <laughs> we donated at least fifteen thousand dollars of our Patreon subscriptions this month to the American Nurses Foundation Coronavirus Response Fund for Nurses. 
Uh, nurses have bore the brunt of the, of the work the past 18 months mm-hmm. with the ongoing pandemic. They've been working more hours than ever, getting sick more often, dying more often, but on the front lines the whole time. And they continue to risk their lives to help the vaccinated and non-vaccinated alike. And this response fund provides mental health support, direct financial aid, education, evidence-based information, and just overall advocacy for nurses. Yeah. So really great fund. To find out more, click the link in our episode description, or you can just search for Coronavirus Response Fund for Nurses. And it comes up right away. Perfect. Finally, hearts go out to the 13 U.S. military service members killed in Kabul uh, with, the, you know, helping with the airport evacuations. Mm-hmm. We will honor their sacrifice and the sacrifice of so many others by, don- by donating to a military charity in November, keeping the tradition of donating to a military charity every November here alive at Bad Magic. Yay. And also the yeah. oh, so many things. The hur- I know. Hurricane I know there's so Ida. much happening. Mm-hmm. Hurricane Ida just blew through. And yeah. so our hearts, I mean, you guys. We love New Orleans. Love New Orleans. Like I'm teary just thinking about it. Yeah. It's uh, such an important place in our lives. It's somewhere yeah. that we love so much. And uh, it was the 16 year anniversary of Katrina. Yeah. And then they just get boom hammered again. So, um, yeah, it looks like they're going to be without power for about a month. Right. And. Currently, as it stands today, as we record, only one death related to the hurricane. Right. So hopefully the floods and the lack yeah. of resources can be navigated in such a way where people yeah. can get through it without more death, more destruction. And the levy held. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. kudos to the uh, engineers who redesigned and the planning that went into redesigning, you know, the situation that caused all the flooding with Katrina. Yeah, yeah. It worked really well. Uh, you know, in New Orleans, no major flooding. Like, they were able oh, to pump that water out from what I understand. I didn't have a chance to yeah. read up this morning. And we're recording this, you know, the day after it right. blew through. So, so that's just based on the information I have at this moment. What, what, I, what I get excited about, like, the positive thing that I can kind yeah. of, like, wrap my head around is, you know, after Katrina, I mean, obviously, I mean, they knew all along those levees were going to break, which right. was part of the outrage. But with every storm, I would imagine that the engineers learn a little bit Mm -hmm. more and they can do a little bit more. So hopefully after this giant cat four storm, they can go in and say like, okay, we can tweak it here. We can make it a little bit better there. Maybe the ninth war doesn't get destroyed once again, like, you know, things like that. So, um, that's, that's what I'm holding on to. Yeah. Yeah. How many stories are you holding on to today? Well, that is a nice segue transition. Uh, (laughs) God, we are so late. <laughs> uh, well, I have two, but my first one is like a two for one. Okay. Okay, because it's one fan, but two stories that are loosely connected. But you'll see when I tell it about uh, this family. Very interesting. Uh, and story two. Oh, yeah. A very creepy gnome situation. Oh, okay. I know we've never had that. And this thing, I was like, well, that would that would mess me up. All right, so I'm, I'm assuming this maybe this gnome is moving around on their own. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, I have I have two solid scary tales. I think neither from the U.S. this oh. week. First, we're going to head to a haunted house in Beijing that inspired the wildly successful 2014 Chinese language horror movie, The House That Never Dies. Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, because it's uh, it, it didn't. It was huge in China, and I'll reference it a little bit more in the story. Uh, didn't you know translate to the states as much, but um, their biggest horror movie ever. Okay. As far as the Chinese language movie. And then, uh, yes, yeah, super creepy lore, uh, plus a real intense modern encounter story uh, regarding uh, Chow Nai number 81 is the address of this place. Okay. And then we're going to head, so that's where the haunted house is. Gotcha. And then we're going to head to Iceland. Oh, fun. To Reykjavik. Uh, Reykjavik's most haunted bar, Hura. And we'll explore one employee making his peace with a trapped spirit reported to have haunted the grounds of this bar for centuries. Oh, uh, okay. So I say it all the time. It's always true. Love today's stories. Love it. Excited to try and scare you. 
Okay. Are you ready for the first one? Uh, I'm just about ready. Look at these super cute black kitty cat socks they have on. They felt like, listen, I know this is ridiculous, mm-hmm. but I feel like you would see a lot of like black cats in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Voodoo, mm-hmm. all sure. the things, all the witchcraft. So I was like, I'll wear these ones. Okay. Okay. That makes sense to me. I wouldn't be surprised if they're more popular there than most cities. I don't know if they're popular or if that's just where they originate Ooh. from. <laughs> oh, that's the source <laughs> that, of the black cats. Exactly. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Dan. I am cozied up. A beautiful and ominous ivy-covered French Baroque-style mansion sits in a complex with another mansion inside an impressive courtyard in the Dongcheng district of Beijing. Originally built by the American Catholic Church in 1910 and then used from 1930 until 1949 as a Chinese-language school to train foreign missionaries, the house then began a long, long period of sitting unoccupied, surrounded by stories of the vengeful ghost of a scorned woman haunting the grounds. Time now for the tale of Beijing's House of Death. According to local legends, a high-ranking government official fled China during the Communist Revolution in 1949, fearing for his life after being chased by angry mobs through the city. And when he fled, he left his young wife to fend for herself. Heartbroken and scared, rather than be taken by an angry mob and possibly, if not probably, violated in a number of terrible ways, she hanged herself inside Chow Nai No. 81. And her spirit has supposedly haunted the address ever since. This haunting was the basis of the wildly popular 2014 Chinese horror movie, The House That Never Dies, a movie that quickly became the highest grossing Chinese language horror film of all time. So many dark legends surround this structure. In the 1960s, some of Mao Zedong's Red Guards were assigned to use the house as a barracks of a sort, and then they fled after just a few days of being tormented by restless spirits. When asked about the house, neighbors over the years have told stories of hearing shrieks and wails and bangs coming from the darkness of the supposedly abandoned home at all hours of the night. Some locals have also spoke of an overwhelming sense of dread when passing by the address and feeling the heavy, ice-cold air emanate out from the main building in an unnatural way. Along with the noises, mysterious lights are said to sometimes flash in the windows in the, at night, and a shadow woman has been seen roaming the halls, the ghost of that official's wife. She said to make herself known, often with wailing cries that apparently sometimes ring out so loud they're not even covered by thunder. In addition to her shadow form being seen wandering the halls of the mansion, some have also claimed to have seen her apparition hanging from one of the beams inside, the rope seeming to cut into her neck, her jaw hanging open and loose. Chow Nai number 81 has also been the site of some mysterious disappearances that predate the death of this woman. Some strange dark force may have already existed at the property long before the home was even built. The first Catholic priest who occupied the house was said to just vanish one day, as if into thin air. He gave no notice to anyone of an impending trip, seemingly told no one he would be abruptly walking away from his post. No one saw him leave. He just vanished. He was in the house one moment and gone the next, never to be seen again. And there have been more recent disappearances. Uh, After the release of The House That Never Dies, Chow Nai 81 became a magnet for urban explorers and paranormal investigators alike, and a flurry of encounter claims began to be posted online. Many now claim to see the home's apparition, and a couple claim to have been knocked down by some sort of icy wind inside the house. Read enough and it starts to feel like everyone who's ever entered the house experiences something paranormal. One set of investigators claimed to have uncovered a hidden crypt in the basement of the building, a crypt said to house a tunnel. Where it leads, they never found out. One recent posting claims that in 2001, a group of three construction workers were sent in to renovate the house next door, hearing of the secret crypt and tunnel, and feeling a little adventurous after having a few drinks on the job, the men decided to go over and check it out. Entering through the adjoining basement, one of the workmates watched them go and then had to leave for the night. 
and the three men were never seen alive or dead again. What? Just vanished. Rumors of this incident and others have scared potential tenants away from the house for over a decade. The house has been vacant, up for rent for years now, and for years there have been no takers. The building came back into the possession of the Catholic Church in the 90s, and a local church official says they currently have no plans to do anything with the building other than just to keep waiting for a new tenant. They might be waiting a long time. One local explained that the house was no longer the property of the living. And another local shared a detailed and scary as hell encounter of dabbling in some ghost hunting and almost immediately regretting regretting entering the old abandoned residence. Yong Chen and Wei Lu had both grown up in the neighborhood of Chow Nai Number no. 81 in the 1980s. They'd heard other kids uh, speak of sneaking in and seeing the shadow woman or of finding the basement crypt or tunnel. They'd always been a little reluctant to believe these claims. They always felt uh, they were a little bit made up. Kids bragging to seem tough for not being afraid of the most haunted building in the area. But Yong and Wei had never actually seen anyone head into the main building or come out, just heard lots of tough talk. They figured tough talk was all it was. But they had walked by the property countless times, and sometimes, mostly at night, they did think they'd felt something. Wei Lu even once thought he'd seen a shadow woman walk past the window. Then he quickly convinced himself, mostly, that it was probably something else, a trick of light, just seeing what he wanted to see. But he couldn't convince himself of this entirely, and a part of him wondered if the claims of the other kids in the area were true. So in the late 90s, during his last years of senior middle school, the equivalent of high school in the States, he decided to go exploring, and he talked his friend Yong Chen into coming with him. Not wanting to get in trouble for trespassing, the two young men only took small flashlights to look around with him. To look around with, and they agreed to be careful using those so neighbors wouldn't spot them and possibly report them. One Sunday night, when they figured most people nearby would be asleep getting ready for work the next morning, they snuck onto the grounds and were able to carefully pry open a broken window with a loose lock on the bottom floor, a window mostly obscured by a tree and some bushes. Once inside, it quickly became clear they weren't the first people to have broken in, not by a long ways. Graffiti covered the busted up walls of the dilapidated old building. Haunted or not, they both agreed that the building they were in certainly looked haunted. They'd heard the ghost of the hanged woman was mostly seen upstairs, where she supposedly died, and that either her spirit or possibly other spirits were seen down in the basement by the old crypt, if it even existed, and at the entrance to the tunnel that supposedly lay beyond it. They decided to look downstairs first. They wandered around in the dark, not using their flashlights until they found the door to the basement. They shined them down into an old room with concrete foundation walls and a dirt floor, didn't look like a crypt, but it did look creepy. Damp, dank, musty air rose up from it. Wei and Yang both hesitated at the top of the stairs before Yang began to head down and then Wei followed. If there was a crypt, they weren't able to find it. But they did find a locked door they couldn't get open. Maybe the crypt was beyond it? They probably could have gotten the door open when they first found it if they'd really tried. They snuck in a few tools, a small crowbar, hammer, screwdriver, to help them get into any locked places but they didn't want to damage anything, and they also didn't really want to open that door. Not at that time, at least. When Wei grabbed the handle, it felt so much colder than anything else in the basement. He had Yang touch it to make sure it wasn't just in his head, and he agreed it was unnaturally cold. More than cold, it just felt off. They both put their hands on the door, and the whole thing felt cold and wrong. And then they heard something. Maybe. It sounded like someone might be shuffling around, moving their feet on the dirt just on the other side of the door. And then did the door handle just move slightly? Like someone standing on the other side was thinking about opening it? Both feeling a little spooked, but not outright terrified. Maybe it was in their heads. 
They backed away from the door and decided to explore upstairs. Maybe quickly. Then maybe hurry up and just get out. They walked up the stairs, fast. Walking faster, the further up the stairs they made it to the top. And then they made sure to shut the door to the basement behind them. The two men, flashlights turned off now, headed upstairs. So dark, so dark in that house. When their eyes still adjusted to the the lack of light from the flashlight, they could see a bit, but not much. They had to use their hands to feel their way down the hallway. And about halfway down, Wei asked Yong if he could feel a presence near them. And he did. They both felt something with them in the hall now. Whispering, still not turning on their flashlights, they both felt it was coming from further down the hall. They decided to quietly count to three and then turn on their flashlights. One, two, three. Nothing. What a relief. Bam! A door slammed shut behind them right past where they just walked and they spun around shining their flashlights towards the sound. They didn't see any shadowy figure, but they did see dust settling. Dust kicked up by the movement of the door. Then they heard shuffling behind them. They spun around again and there she was. A shadowy woman's figure emerged from the wall, crossed through the hallway, disappeared into the opposite wall. They looked at each other to both confirm they had just seen what they thought they'd seen. And then they heard the sounds of doorknobs turning and doors opening. They looked back down the hall. All the doors had just opened. Bam! All the doors slammed shut and without discussion. And both Wei and Yang had had enough. They were hustling down the stairs, not bothering to turn off their flashlights. On their way out, they saw that the door to the basement they had closed was now wide open. And Wei ran towards it. Wanting to leave but not wanting to leave his friend, Young chased after him. Wei, no! Let's go! Let's leave! He yelled. I have to see if it's open, Wei yelled back. Wei ran down the stairs, and Young followed. And when Young made it to the base of the stairs, he heard Wei release a blood-curdling scream. He swung over his flashlight. Wei was standing in front of that formerly locked mysterious door down in the basement that was now wide open. And a shadowy figure, not the woman, not necessarily a human form even, was now floating out from the darkness, emerging from the impenetrable blackness that lay beyond that door. Run, yelled Young! And Wei, his face a mask of terror, turned and started to run towards him as Young bolted back up the stairs. The moment Young made it into the hallway, he heard the door to the basement slam shut behind him. And then, bam, bam, bam! Wei was slamming his fists against the door from the other side, inside. Help me! Help me! He screamed. Young dropped his flashlight, grabbed the door handles with both hands to try and rip the door open, but it was locked. Despite his best frantic efforts, the door would not budge. Help me, Young! Help me! Yelled his panicked friend. And then he heard Wei scream. And then he heard his scream get cut off abruptly. And then a quick succession of thumping, like a body falling down the stairs or being dragged. And then a moment later, he heard a door in the basement slamming shut. Then the locked door to the basement he stood in front of just popped open on its own. Yong reached down to grab his flashlight. It quickly floated away. Something else was holding it. And that thing was now shining it at him. Standing next to him, he saw the shadow woman again. Yong screamed as he heard her scream. He ran towards the window he and Wei had come to to get inside. Thank God it was still open. He quickly scrambled out as the light shone on him from behind. He waited to be grabbed and pulled back inside. Pulled into that dark, locked room. But that didn't happen. He made it outside. He ran and ran all the way home. Wondered what he should do, what he could do. To help Wei. He quickly called the police to report hearing a break in at Chow Nai number 81. Soon he heard sirens. He waited for authorities to find his friend. He stayed up all night waiting. The next morning he went to his friend's house hoping to find him there. Instead, he only found panicked parents. They asked Yong if he'd seen Wei last night, and he lied and said he hadn't. He knew the truth would sound suspicious, and he already knew his friend was dead and that they'd never find him. Young said he finally posted the story online years later, partially to try and get rid of some of the guilt he'd been carrying around for so long. Wei was never found. 
Yong, other than this post, has never talked about what happened to him. He figures no one will believe his story. He feels terrible for his old friend, he misses him, but he doesn't regret not going back into the basement to look for him. He knows if he had, she would have taken them both that night, that he would have disappeared forever into the dark tunnel, as well, never to return. Oh my god, that is not where I saw that going. <laughs> I thought for sure they were both getting out. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit sweaty from that. <laughs> it was making me very nervous. Damn. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, interesting that it's like the, um, it's, I feel like a lot of times like it's like, oh, like someone told me this story, so now I'm going to share it. But the, the person that it happened to right, actually yeah. sharing this, they're yeah. not, we don't always have first person accounts. Right, right. Yeah, if he's uh, if he's telling the truth, that is fucking terrifying. And, and this house, it, yeah, it's, it's so interesting to me, especially like a large country like China, mm-hmm. when it's something I'd never, ever heard of. Then you start poking around. It's like, oh, this is a very well-known haunted house. Oh, it is. Yeah. Like, oh, like over there in Beijing. Yeah. I'll show you a, a photo here. This is Chow Nine number eighty one. So and that's, is it that's Chow, the main building. Is it Chow Nine? Nine. Nine. It's, it's spelled C H A. No, I get o- it now. I was like, why is he saying Chow Nine? Chow Nine eighty one. Eighty one. Yeah. I was like, that sounds. Like, why wouldn't he just say nine eighteen? Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I was very confused. Okay. Here's a here's another exterior shot. I was trying to show how it stands out from the more modern buildings around it. Like this complex, but um, I couldn't find a, a good picture to show context that had decent resolution. They were all so tiny. Sure, sure, sure. That, but like, I mean, they I get can, blurry. You can see on either side, mm-hmm. and, and you can tell that it just looks overgrown and yeah, it's out of place, dingy. Yeah, yeah. It is like a interesting, like uh, for like a haunted house type looking location, where it's got all these much more modern buildings around it, and then just like this throwback design wise, age wise, in the in the middle of the in the middle of the city there. Right. And then here's an interior shot of the mansion. Um, something very creepy about this, but I mean, pl- obviously plenty of people have been inside. Lots of graffiti. So much graffiti. And it just, yeah, it's just like, oh, of course. Uh, yeah, it just feels dark, dank, mm-hmm. ominous. Like, even if that place, like, wasn't haunted, it's like, oh, that's where you would, if you're going to do a Halloween house, it's like, that'd be a A, a good, Halloween house? Yeah, like a, a, haunted, a house? haunted house to have, but I mean, like, the kind of haunted house where you charge admission. An attraction. And, an attraction, yeah. A Halloween house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We know what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Why do people always have to tag with graffiti in these abandoned places? What is that about? What is the what is that in our human psyche that we want to leave a marking that like we were here? Mm-hmm. My life matters. I am important. Hear I, my voice. I, I was here. I have done something. Yeah. I have. This is yeah. Something just like see me world. My, mind you, like uh, I'm so different than that. Mm-hmm. I always think like in in public bathrooms, there's graffiti all over the wall. I'm like, mm-hmm. why? Why would I waste my time doing that? I've never, ever once done something like that. I feel like 95% of the graffiti in bathrooms uh, is teenage boys. And, what and are they pu- doing in the women's bathroom? Uh, uh, oh, in the women's bathroom. <laughs> you, have, you have it in the women's bathroom too? Oh my God, all over. Oh, then that ruins my whole theory. Yeah, uh, it, it depends Teenage on, girls uh, doing it as well? I guess. I was thinking about the last time I was in a really graffitied restroom was at Wolf Lodge. Mm-hmm. It was like, if you're in the Coeur d'Alene, Spokane area, like literally the best steakhouse, best steak ever in my life. Oh, it is fantastic. It is so good. I don't know what they're doing to those cows, but damn, is it good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that bath, those bathroom walls are top to bottom. I and mean, there is not a blank Interesting. inch anywhere. Interesting. You know, like uh, Sharpie, little carvings, all the that, things. That feels like a thing then there specifically where like a few people did it. And then, like, the then more people on. do it, then it's like, oh, I got to add my name to the list. Yeah. What is a graffiti like in the boys' bathroom? Meaning, like, in the girls' bathroom, it's usually like, you know, Tony loves Shay. 
2020, like, I think in a guy's bathroom, best friends forever. It's more like for a good time, call Donnie's mom. Is it? Yeah. Like real stupid. Mm hmm. Okay. Do you want your, do you want your, your, your butt, whatever, like, like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, call, yeah. call. <laughs> yeah, I guess there are some in, in women's bathrooms. Or just like hateful stuff, or just like, literally just like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always like profanity <laughs> right. and, you know, like, uh, anti-political things mm-hmm. or stuff like that and then every so often it gets yeah. really good i love it when it's like Ooh. one person writes it another person comments on them yeah my favorite in the women's bathroom is it's like okay like dan and Lindsay forever and then like some bitch comes underneath me and scratches out my name mm-hmm. and is like hell no and she like adds another name and right. then it's like you whore i mean it just like, what's that, happening that, that feels like it would be like a high school bathroom like oh, well, the, like the, I hate to tell you, it's still happening in adult <laughs> restrooms. <laughs> still happening. Okay, um, so and at the beginning of the story, w- was your intent to insinuate that the woman who hanged herself mm-hmm. did it maybe because of what was already in the house? Like maybe there was already some sort of spirit? Is there some sort of theory about that? Mm, that was me speculating because there's, okay. there's stories of disappearances before her. Yeah. So I'm like, well, she did it because she was worried about... You know uh, what the angry mob was going to do to her, but also right. was the house maybe like pushing her along, right? Or right, a little bit there. of help. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay, and then with that, when we watched Hell House LLC yeah. with our patrons, there was apparently in the chat a huge debate about hanged and hung. It's hanged. I know it's hanged, but I think it's so stupid because to me, it's like. It's hung when it's an object, hanged when it's a person. But why? Who knows? Who knows? The English language is fucking ridiculous. I know. It's supposed to be in my mind. I'm always like, well, I hung this picture. I didn't hang this. Hanged no, at this picture. You, you, yeah, you hung some arts, and then you know, so and so was hanged. I know. It drives me crazy. And I didn't know that until I did some Wild West time suck topic, and I got a lot of emails because you did it wrong. Because mm-hmm, I, I said hung. I always I said hung my whole life. Sure. And then they're like, and then I looked into. It, I'm like, oh no, they're right. It's hanged. I want you to know that every time so and so was hanged at noon. <laughs> When I was a teenager, and I would read a book, mm-hmm. and it was hanged. I was like, God, how did the editor not catch that spelling? Oh, here? yeah, yeah, yeah. Just assume they were how, wrong. I was like, what? how? I mean, because, you know, those things mm-hmm. do slip through the cracks. Then it would show up over and over, and finally I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm wrong. The melting pot that it made America has oh, also just, like, made its, its language a nightmare. Yeah, anybody because, whose second language is English is like, oh, my God, this language is so dumb. It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Because we've taken from so many other languages and then, like, the way we've adapted English. And then what I love is, you know, reading it is one thing, but then speaking it is so much harder mm-hmm. because we have all these, like, cities, for example, and lakes and geographical places oh. named for places in other countries. But, of course, we can't say it like they say no, it in their country. No, of course not. We got to Americanize it, but we can't Americanize it in the same way. The South is going to Americanize it different than the Northwest. And so you got all these regional dialects playing Uh in, and it's Uh like, oh my God, it's so confusing. And everyone is like, my way is best. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing. There's a lot of like, uh, you know, multiple pronunciations for the same word are accepted. I mean, the classic one is Appalachia, Appalachia. Yes. Both are correct. Correct. But but you have people people in each camp being like, no, no. I have to be right. And my favorite thing is, I'm from here, yeah. and this is how we say it. And it's like, yeah, but we just got an email from somebody else, literally from the same city, yeah. saying, I'm from here, this is how, and, and it's the opposite. I know, I know. Uh, I, I was going to tell a story this week, and I was like, I just don't have it in me to deal with the emails afterwards, because <laughs> it was very, like, uh, a yeah. family who the the city was founded on their yeah. family's name, like, mm-hmm. forever ago, for like, yeah. so, so, so far back. Right. And they were like, and this is how you say it. And I was like, yeah, I just a... don't have the energy and this it week. Morphs. And it morphs. That's what's crazy, too. It'll, like, they'll say it one way, and then decades later, say it another way. It cracks me up, you know, when I went to school in Gonzaga, 
people there would get so annoyed when national announcers would say Gonzaga or or they would say um, Spokane instead right. of Spokane. It's like, well, it's Spokane and it's Gonzaga. It's like no one fucking cares. No one cares. And also look at no how it's spelled. And it's, and it's spelled the way that the, the, the announcer just reading it. That that makes sense, actually. I know. I know. I oh, could boy. go off. I could go <laughs> off. Uh, the the tunnel situation. I just mm-hmm. the last thing I want to say about this story. People, the construction workers vanishing into the tunnels. I don't understand why there's never. I mean, or maybe you just weren't able to go into it without going into like a whole uh, sidebar. But how come there's not like a search party going down there during the day searching the oh, tunnels for these people? I don't know. Just, there, it, it just references they disappeared. I mean, yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, who maybe knows? they did, and maybe maybe somebody made it up. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they've gone and searched and true and there is and maybe that's how they know how they come to the conclusion that they're missing without any trace. And some of it might just be language again. Might be there there might be more stuff in Chinese, uh, you know, written about this than I can find in English. Can you believe how much property the Catholic Church owns? No, it's crazy. I, I can't believe they own any. I mean, they got that stuff back in China. I'm surprised they don't own any property in China. Yeah, and that's shocking. It's not, a big, then, it's not a big Catholic nation. If you if you look into their real and estate holdings, it's a, wow. Mm-hmm. It's a something. <laughs> it is something. Uh, are you ready to leave China and head completely around the world to Iceland? Let's do it. Before we head to a land discovered by the Vikings long ago, time for today's sponsor break. What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers? A candle, some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the world's (laughs) best. So lame. This year, how about one-upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. Aura frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze, but one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? 
I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. And now we're back, creeps and peepers. Hope some of our sponsor deals appealed to you. Ready for the Hura Ghost? Now, not much setup on this one either. Okay. Uh, Hura is a popular bar slash nightclub in Reykjavik, Iceland. It uh, regularly makes the lists of top nightlife spots in the city on various travel sites. And at Hura, there's uh, good drinks, live music, many nights, DJs for dance parties on the weekends, uh, the staff based on a lot of TripAdvisor reviews, exceptionally nice and friendly. Uh, the bar sits where old Reykjavik shore, uh, its shoreline once was, like the old harbor. The modern <laughs> harbor. What? Sorry. I thought you were going to say... The staff, exceptionally hot, beautiful. Oh, I, I was, I was not going there. That. Yeah, so I'm no. sorry. But sorry about that. Super hot Nordic Super ladies. Hot. Working I mean, probably. The, probably. Um, yeah, but the bar sits where the old shoreline once was. Uh, the modern harbor area is the creation of extensive landfills. Tourism, whale watching have gradually replaced the old harbor's fishing vessels. Shops and restaurants now occupy the old fishing industry warehouses. Part of the city's original foundation wall is still exposed in the basement of the Hura Bar. And Hura doesn't just make the list of the best pubs in Reykjavik. It also makes the list of the most haunted spots in all of Iceland. Local lore claims that a young sailor was murdered on the shore where the bar now sits many centuries ago. And his spirit has never moved from the place where he died. His ghost has haunted the bar for as long as the bar has been there. And probably long before. Different Hura staff have reported strange feelings, noises, even sightings of the man at the bar. Staff who have, uh, you know, seen the ghost tend to feel sad and lonely whenever he's near. Unlike most ghost sightings, incidents typically occur during the day Hmm. when the bar is empty except for the staff. But they have been, you know, uh, known to occur at other uh, various times as well. So does a nameless, faceless young man really haunt the Hura Bar? The following is one former employee's story of their encounters with the Hura Bar's ghost. They are definitely a believer now in this legend. Time now for the tale of Make Your Peace. All this happened to me in 2015 when I was 20. I'd taken a couple years off school to work. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, but I finally decided to go to university and get my degree in computer science. It would allow me to have some kind of stable and high-paying job, and it was a respectable career choice. It was my first time living away from home. I moved to Reykjavik to attend one of the universities in the city. I was excited but nervous about all the logistics of this next phase of my life. I had to move into my flat, prepare for classes, somehow find a job so I could pay for all my upcoming bills. And I only had a few days to do it all. On a night out with some new friends, we went to Hurabar. In the middle of trying to lower my stress with a few drinks, I saw a sign at the bar 
In my mind, a golden halo surrounded the sign, calling to me, promising the answers to all my troubles. Help wanted. Leaving my friends behind, I stood up and made my way over to the bar. The bartender was busy cleaning up a spill on the counter. Didn't seem like she wanted to be bothered. Luckily, my slightly tipsy state made me confident enough to interrupt her. I saw the sign. When can I apply? She paused, forced a polite customer service smile on her face, and said, Come back tomorrow. The manager will be here at 10. I woke up early the next morning and decided I was not leaving that bar without a job. I'd felt cursed with bad luck since I arrived in Reykjavik. Almost no one was hiring, and if they were, they wanted me to have a degree first. Tuition and rent were due soon, and I was desperate. I needed money fast. The short 10-minute drive wasn't nearly long enough to calm my nerves. I took a deep breath before I knocked on the door. A minute passed just before I was going to knock again. The girl from last night opened the door. She looked tired, grumpy, not happy to see me. It's you. Good morning. Uh, Gunnar Eggleson. I extended my hand out to her. She reluctantly took it. Kristen. She offered no last name. Can I speak to the manager? I'm interested in applying for any available positions. She waved me inside, escorted me to a narrow, dark staircase. Up the stairs, to the left, just knocking he'll open the door. She then left me alone, facing the dark, steep stairs. Looked kind of creepy up there. But didn't all bars have a poorly lit, dilapidated upper floor? My heart pounded as I ascended the stairs. I knocked on the office door. A few seconds later, it creaked open. A short, bearded man poked his head out. Good morning, Gunnar Eagleson. I'm here to apply for one of your available positions. I stuck my hand out again. He shook it, eyeing me up and down. Stefan. The people here really hate giving their last names, I thought to myself. So he plopped, uh, he plopped himself into his chair. Tell me why you think you can work here. His request made me pause. What an odd way to phrase it. Well, I have four years of experience in the customer service industry. I'm a fast learner, a hard worker. I'm willing to do anything to help my coworkers out on a busy evening. I'm a student, so I'll only be able to work a few weekdays, but I can work every weekend. Hmm. Let me ask you this. Do you think you can handle working here? It's not always easy. Again, the way he said things was so weird. It sounded like he was asking me to be a prison guard or some other strenuous job instead of a server at a fun, lively pub. I know I can, I said with as much confidence as I could muster. Then you're hired. Come back tomorrow for training. He sent me on my way. It seemed like her was just as desperate as I was for help. With high spirits, I descended down the dark stairs. Thud, thud, thud. The sound of footsteps behind me made me pause. I turned back to see if the manager had forgotten to tell me something, but no one was there. I thought it was a little strange. But then I quickly forgot about it and headed back to my car, telling Kristen on the way out, see you tomorrow. After a long morning of classes, I headed to her to start my first shift. I felt like I was entering another world as I left the sunny sidewalk behind and went inside the dark bar. Kristen was waiting for me along with Stefan. I could see two other employees busting around in the back. The two of them put me through a brutal first day of training, starting with a tour where I was expected to memorize the locations of everything I'd need during my shift. If you can't find something, keep looking. Don't bother anyone with silly questions, Kristen told me. She really didn't like training new hires. Or maybe she just really didn't like me. Next, I was shown how to use the register, take orders, keep things moving for a smooth shift. Then I was allowed to ask questions, or this I was allowed to ask questions about because I could screw up everything if I put in a tab incorrectly or messed up too many orders. Feeling like I knew what I was doing, if a little unsure, I started helping out to prepare for tonight's opening. I was sent to fill up all the napkin holders. Seeing that they weren't in their usual spot behind the bar, I didn't dare ask Kristen where the stockroom was and ventured upstairs by myself. Thud, thud, thud. I heard behind me as I jogged up the stairs. I turned my head, trying to catch whoever was coming up after me, but the staircase was empty. Must have just been the echo of my footsteps, I thought. After opening a few random doors, I finally found the closet that served as the stockroom. Napkins galore greeted me, and I smiled at my small victory. 
As I was grabbing a large box, a black shadow ran past me out in the hallway, streaking past my peripheral vision. I jumped, dropped the box I was holding. Damn it, I muttered, bending down to pick it up. I felt paranoid, like someone was watching me. I told myself it was just a feeling of knowing I was on camera, the club security cameras, and that's what made me so nervous. I ignored the black shadow, probably just a figment of my imagination. Whatever it was, I honestly didn't care that much, too focused on getting through my first shift. I put my foot on the first step, peeking over the large box to see the narrow stairs. One, two, three, four, five. I counted in my head, and then I was suddenly thrown to the side. I straightened up, was thrown to my left. Trying my best to remain standing upright, I kept tilting side to side. The staircase was swaying, like the motion of waves. I know that's crazy, but that's what was happening. That's the only way I can describe what I was experiencing. Left, right, up, down, bobbing. Once again, I dropped the box, grabbed onto the handrails of either side. The phantom waves stopped. I was then hit with an intense wave of nausea, so severe I immediately had to sit down and hold my stomach. Trying not to vomit on the stairs, I put my head between my knees and took some deep breaths. A black shadow streaked past again, making me jerk my head up and flinch. What are you doing? Kristen's demanding voice interrupted my terror. The nausea was gone. Uh, Sorry, I I shook my head. I just felt really sick for a second. I needed to sit down. Concern replaced her annoyance. Are you alright? You might need to go home. We can't have you vomiting tonight after we open. No, I I feel fine. I'm going to get back to work. I rushed past her, eager to stay busy with menial tasks and forget about what had just happened. It was so strange, but I wasn't going to dwell on it now and get fired. I decided I'd have time to analyze it later. The next few weeks passed smoothly. Kind of. Strange things kept happening at work. I heard tapping on the walls upstairs, footsteps all around me, but nothing as frightening as the black shadows of the swaying staircase, and I didn't tell anyone. My co-workers were no-nonsense types and they never mentioned mentioned seeing anything strange. September soon turned to October, and I kept trying to ignore what I was experiencing. My classes at the university were going well. I was also starting to build up a healthy checking account from working so much. But every time I went into Hera, I hated it. My coworkers were nice. They were starting to like me as I learned the ropes. The customers were great too, always smiling and willing to chat, but every time I went away from the main floor to the darker, isolated parts of Hera, I felt so much sadness. A kind of overwhelming, heavy sadness, hopelessness. The strangest part of it was that it wasn't my own feelings, at least it didn't feel like it was. It felt like the sadness would somehow possess me, entering my body and settling like a heavy weight. It would follow me around until I left the dark places of Hera, going back to the main area with the smiling patrons, and then I would feel like my normal self again. This all made me never want to go anywhere alone, but it was something I couldn't avoid. How could I refuse to get more supplies from the back or help clean up? I couldn't lose my job. Over the next few weeks, it got worse. The sad, hopeless feeling started to follow me outside of work in small increments. To the main floor, to the front door, to my car, down the road, eventually all the way to my apartment. It was now hard to go to class, to do readings and assignments. I could barely gather the energy to work. Only my need for money kept me going. I couldn't figure out what was causing this sudden onset of escalating depression. Despite not wanting to do my schoolwork, I was still doing well when I forced myself... Work was alright. I had friends, a job, a nice place to live. I should be perfectly happy. But I wasn't. The black shadows came back as my sadness intensified. They seemed to be drawn to me now, pulled inside like a, like a magnet inside of me. Or pulled towards me by a magnet inside of me. At least once every shift now, a black shadow seemed to float past me. They would come to me any time I was alone, rushing past my periphery, brushing up against me. It was terrifying. I could never seem to keep them away from me. Eventually, my coworkers started to notice that something was wrong. 
Is everything okay, Gunner? Stefan asked as we closed up one night. You haven't been yourself lately. Studies getting to you? You could say that. I shrugged. How could I explain what was going on without sounding like a crazy person? He stepped closer to me, looking around to make sure no one heard us. Now that you've been here a while, I feel like I can ask you. Have you ever seen anything? Felt anything strange here? My head snapped up. He saw the look in my eyes. He knew. Come to my office. Let's talk. Stefan explained everything to me. He believed that the shadow was a spirit, a young man about my age who died at this location many years ago. Normally, I didn't believe in that kind of stuff, but I could tell that Stefan was sincere. I was desperate for answers, and he seemed to have them. I've been here for 10 years. I started when I was your age, he said, and I felt the same things you're feeling. I was relieved. Someone understood what was happening. How do I make it stop? What do I do? I pleaded. I had to get this foreign, invasive sadness out of me. I don't really know, was unfortunately how his answer began. Thankfully, it got a little better as he continued. I don't know why some feel it and others don't. All I can tell you is that you have to make your peace with it. That's what I did. You have to do something to make it feel like you understand it and it will leave you alone. Thanking him for his advice, I went home with a new feeling of some hope. I thought a lot about Stefan's cryptic message the next few days. How was I supposed to make it understand? I soon found out. A few nights later, I sat outside the bar's back staircase. I'd had a day from hell. I'd gotten up early to finish a paper that I'd almost forgotten about, gone to class all morning, rushed to Hera to work my shift, the feeling of sadness, hopelessness, and dread worse than ever. Nothing was going right. I failed my coding exam, was late to work, spilled a drink on a customer's lap as soon as I got there. And now I'd been sent outside to get myself together per Kristen's orders. It was almost 8 p.m. The sun was starting to set, but it was still light out. A small streetlight helped illuminate the alley I was facing, casting a golden circle of light onto the pavement. I sat with a glass of beer in my hand, too tired to even take a sip. I had 15 minutes till I had to go back into Herod to finish my shift, then I could call it quits on this terrible day. I closed my eyes as a cool fall breeze floated past. When I opened them again, the shadow was back. But it was different this time. Instead of a floating black mass, I saw the black shadowy outline of a man's body standing across from me under the streetlight. His body was swaying side to side, mimicking the motion of waves. Sadness rolled off of him, floating towards me, getting inside me once again. Hopelessness settled in me like a weird lead weight. I couldn't feel any fear. The intense sadness and longing coming off the shadowy man was too strong. It was like he was reaching out to me, wanting me to feel what he did to take some of it away. You have to make it feel like you understand, Stefan's voice echoed in my head. You too, huh? Bad day? I asked it. Then I cackled to myself. What the hell? I was talking to a shadow now. Well, cheers, I said, raising my glass to him. Maybe tomorrow will be better for us both. The shadow now flew towards me. Horrified and scared, it would hurt me. I scrambled to stand up to get out of its way, but it was too fast. I tensed up, closing my eyes, bracing myself as the shadow flew directly into me before it went through me into the back door of the bar. I expected to feel pain, terror, but I didn't feel anything. I felt perfectly normal. Better than normal, actually. I felt like I'd back to the way I felt before I began to work at Hera. I wasn't sad anymore. It was like the shadow took his sadness away when he flew towards me, through me. I don't know why, but I then stood up and left my untouched drink on the back stairs before going inside. And from that point on, I started leaving a glass of beer at the back entrance every time I worked a shift at Hera. I never told anyone what I was doing. It was my own little ritual. And I never told anyone that the next day when I would come back, the glass would be empty, always. No one ever questioned me about it, told me they knew what I was doing, or that they drank the beer. It could have been some passerby who drank it, I guess, sure, but I know it wasn't. I just know. I worked at Hera for two more years, continued my strange ritual every shift. The sadness never came back. The shadows never bothered me again. I made my peace 
with the hair of ghost. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I like that one. Yeah, me too. Like, uh, uh, I thought it was scary in some parts, but then a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. A, a very, very different kind of tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have pictures? I do. I do. This first one is an exterior shot of h e r a Bar. So it's a cool. People waiting inside for maybe just having a smoke or... They're, they have little shows in there. It's bigger than it looks from the outside here. Yeah. This next one's an interior shot uh, of Hera. Uh, just kind of like there's like the little front area, you know, yeah. people sit. And then this other one, they have like a little back space where they have live music or like DJs on the weekend. I love it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one more pick. This is what you get when you Google Iceland Shadow Monster. Oh, no, sorry. I'm sorry. Before that, before that, this, this, is, this is the Old Harbor. Sorry. This is the Old Harbor uh, area of Reykjavik. Uh, Hera is nearby. I was like, I wow. Okay. I, uh, Everything I is nice there. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. So it is beautiful. Yeah. Yes, so I want to go. I want to go. So the Old Harbor is just, um, you know, a little bit back behind those uh, warehouses. Okay. Okay. And then this last one is what you get when you uh, Google Iceland Shadow Monster. Oh. Yeah, I, I, uh, I looked it up okay. because the first... Okay, what is that? Well, I looked it up because the first four picks weren't scary. This is a ghost of Icelandic folklore called the Mori. A little girl supposedly saw a ghost composed of a head with human entrails coming out the back of the skull. Yeah. And the description she gave of the face of this head eerily matched a man who had just died in the area. Oh. And then it became part of folklore this to, to see this Mori. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a... creepy creepy face mm-hmm. that would also make a really beautiful tattoo oh yeah that would actually I, I don't know if it's just like this particular iteration of it yeah. but um, mm-hmm. okay well Iceland creeping me out uh huh okay well you know I <laughs> I noted that uh, I, th- I think part of it when he when the storyteller was saying like gunner was saying like you know he doesn't know why some people feel it and some people don't or yeah. uh, stefan was saying that to him i think it's like if you're more open to it if you're more of an empath mm. you feel things in a different way so like if you and i were working at that bar i would probably feel it and you wouldn't right you you would feel it and i'd be like stop exactly because i'm more spongy Mm. is what you call it but i'm an empath and i just i feel other people's emotions so deeply that it can like really exhaust me or upset me or mm-hmm. ruin my day or just whatever and i can't imagine feeling that every day more or less for several years yeah, you know you, yeah, you do take in the uh you're susceptible to the, like the energy around you very you know what's interesting is there's an animal that's like your least favorite animal that's very similar frogs frogs oh, they no. have very thin skin And they're like, uh, like the bird and the the canary in the coal mine, like the, the warning sign of something going bad in the environment. Because when they start to die, oh yeah, that's right. It's because their skin doesn't protect them the same way most creatures do. Right, you know, against like environmental causes, mm-hmm. environmental uh, hazards. You're like a you're like a frog. No, take it back. I hate frogs. I hate <laughs> frogs so much. They're so creepy. They're gonna jump on you, mm-hmm. and then they're gonna lick you, and they're just gonna like ah. Ugh, they're so cute, though. No, they little, are little not. Lick. No, they're disgusting. Oh my god, I hate frogs so much. I'm very uncomfortable. I know. I thought she was kidding about this. Like, nope. uh, over, and then on our honeymoon, I've pro- I don't know if I've said this before. We were, we went to Hawaii and we're walking down the street at night. It was like a beautiful night out, and there was these giant. They weren't frogs. I think they were toads. They were just, you like, couldn't even I mean, see them. You right. couldn't see them until you got close. But they were massive. They were big oh toads, and Huge. I thought they were still. I was like, oh my god, look at this! And she was like backing away. <laughs> <laughs> like we ended up canceling the walk. We ended up. We didn't cancel the walk. Oh yeah, walk. we did. We no, cut it short. We didn't. Yeah, we did. No, we had. You didn't, to, you didn't want to be out anymore. We no, we had to walk because we were going to get food. So we had to walk to the restaurant. And we had to walk back. We had to walk through the front of the property. 
Maybe you wanted uh, to explore more and I didn't want to, but we, we mm. were out. We had no other option. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but they were all over the property that we were staying at. Mm-hmm. But it was just, oh, I fucking hated them so much. It still upsets me. <laughs> I, I can't stay at that hotel ever again. Oh, man. That's probably like the Frog Hotel. <laughs> what kind of squishy do you have this week? Uh, 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 Dracula. I have a little vampire guy. He's cute. Mm-hmm. Kind he, of. He doesn't even have fangs. He's like a. Aww. He has the hairline, and he, and he has the outfit. He has like yeah. a little cape and stuff. But uh, if he has fangs, he's keeping them in his mouth. Oh. He doesn't want to scare anybody. Okay, well that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he, he's a closed mouth smiler because he doesn't want to freak people out. <laughs> Fine. Well, as I was mentioning before in my first uh, story, I have a two for one special, and uh, the the end of the second story within within this. She says there's something about like, oh, maybe it just runs in the family. Mm -hmm. And I had never really entertained that possibility. I feel like we've kind of talked about it, but I never really thought deeply about it. Like if I'm susceptible to the other side, Mm -hmm. would my children be susceptible to it? Like, is it something that can be passed down hereditarily just like Mm -hmm. disease? Oh, yeah, maybe. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like, I don't know. What if you're if you're raised in it, then same thing like being raised Catholic which is what you're raised to believe and understand and know. So then do you have a different relationship with the other side? Right. Just some combination of the two. I mean, that's interesting that it could be like a genetic component. I mean, I guess why not? Right. Why not? Right. Like, Personality oh. traits, you know, right. can oh, be you're just down. like your dad. Mm-hmm. Right. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the second story kind of ties those two things together. So we have two awesome stories and I'm excited to share them with you. Okay. Hi, king and queen of things that go bump in the night. I really enjoy your podcast and I'm so glad to have come across it. It gives me a sense of normalcy in an unconventional way. My name is Teresa and I thought you might find my two very real life experiences of interest. I hope you find them entertaining. Thanks, Teresa. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm saying you're welcome for Teresa. (laughs) First, the exorcism. The first experience that I can remember happened when I was about five years old. For many months, maybe even a couple of years leading up to this experience, I suffered from various stomach issues. I remember even having been hospitalized a few times for these issues, mostly unexplained episodes of vomiting. I have all of those old plastic embossed medical cards that they used to give you when you were admitted to a hospital to prove it. Mind you, I'm 51 now and most of you probably will have no idea what I'm even talking about. My mother was a single full-time working parent, and we lived a very nomadic life. Mm -hmm. At this time, out of necessity, we had to move in temporarily with a friend of my mother's. She was a very sweet, very religious woman who had a daughter, Nina, that was older than me by about five years. I looked up to her and was her little shadow. The woman, Lydia, would go to weekly religious meetings, and although I couldn't tell you what denomination she practiced, she did this without fail every week. These meetings would take place at different people's homes, and they would Mm -hmm. take turns hosting. She had a small room in her humble home dedicated to these gatherings and nothing else. The room was all white. The walls, the curtains, the chairs, the couch, even a rectangular coffee table in the center of it all. We did not play in that room. During our stay there, I would always wake up in the middle of the night for some unknown reason. My throat would be parched. I wouldn't dare wake my mother. She was not someone you wanted to annoy, (laughs) ever. The thirst was all I could think about, and it would drive me to venture out of the room to quench it. And this was no small feat. Again, I was five, and as many little kids do, I had a healthy fear of the dark. 
I remember quietly turning the doorknob so as to not awaken my mother, tiptoeing out of the room, and looking down those long, dark steps, thinking there was no way I could brave the dark to make my way downstairs to the kitchen. I would dart across the top of the stairway so nothing could reach out and grab me just to make it to the bathroom and drink straight from the faucet. I would drink my fill and run back to the room, jump back into bed, pull the covers over my head, and eventually fall asleep. I woke up shortly after, though, projectile vomiting. This happened every night, night after night after night. Needless to say, it caused my mother to be very annoyed with me and led to another hospital visit. I was admitted and a whole barrage of tests were done. I remember enjoying my time at the hospital. It felt like a vacation. The nurses were very nice to me and would bring me banana baby food as a snack. <laughs> they would let me play and do crafts in this special playroom that they had for patients. All of my test results were inconclusive and no one had answers as to what was wrong with me. And so after a few days, I was sent home. I didn't vomit once the whole time I was in the hospital. Hmm. When back at Lydia's house, she asked my mother if she and her prayer group could pray for me. It was Lydia's turn to host a gathering, and she felt called to do this, even though she knew we were not religious people. My mom consented. The night of the gathering, I remember being led to that room, my mother holding my hand, and then passing me over to Lydia and leaving the room, shutting the door behind her. There were seven or eight women seated in various chairs in this little room surrounding the white coffee table. Lydia sat on the couch and pulled me up onto her lap. With my feet dangling, I leaned back up against her. Her arms encircled me, her hands clasped at my stomach to keep me from slipping off. And then they began to pray. They mentioned me by name. They became fervent in their prayers for this child who was suffering from an unknown sickness, and that's when I saw something. I was still leaning back against Lydia, so my chin was pushed up against my chest as if looking down, and I saw something slowly rising out of my chest right above Lydia's clasped hands. It was hard to make out at first. It was translucent and slowly moving up and out of me in a snake-like motion. It wasn't until it had risen about halfway out of me that I could see it was a face. Not a person's face, but that of a demon. It had one horn coming out of the left side of its forehead and wore a scowl. It continued to rise. Its brows furrowed and I could see sharp teeth in its sinister mouth. It continued to rise up. At the moment that I could make out this entity's entire face still translucent, the woman, sitting directly across from us, opened her eyes from prayer. Looking directly at me, she let out a scream, and then the demon disappeared into thin air. After that, I no longer woke up with that burning thirst, and my vomiting episodes stopped completely. There aren't many people I've ever told my exorcism tale to. Those that I tend to those that I have told tend to look at me incredulously at first and then slowly begin to realize I actually believe what I'm saying. Most people know me to be a very level-headed, practical person. They really don't know what to say or think after hearing something like that, and things get momentarily weird <laughs> until one of us breaks the silence with a very awkward laugh. So that's that, story one. That is insane. That's insane. To have that memory. To have, like, what? See a little monster thing coming out of you. Blah. No way. I mean, I, it could happen, but just like fucking oh my God. glad it didn't happen to me. Yeah, me too. So then that paired with this, the red bouncing ball. As I mentioned earlier, my mother and I moved okay. around a lot. One of these times when I was about seven years old, we were living with one of my mom's boyfriends, Tony. Tony was nice, I guess. I mean, he wasn't creepy like some of the other guys and was always laughing. He lived in an old brownstone in the village on the second floor. It was a tiny apartment that consisted of one bedroom, a living room with a tiny kitchen in it, and a bathroom. 
He gave up his bedroom for me to use, and he and my mother would sleep on a pull-out couch. The tiny bedroom had been the tiny bedroom that had been so generously given up for me gave me the creeps. Despite the fact that the room only had one window on it, there were curtains on every single wall. Yes, it was the 70s, but who the fuck puts curtains on every wall? Mm-hmm. Stuff of nightmares for any kid, I would imagine. One night, I just couldn't fall asleep and was really freaking myself out with the thoughts of what was behind those curtains. And despite the fact that I knew my mom would probably whoop my ass, I grabbed my pillow, crept out of the room, and crawled under the pull-out couch to fall asleep. Moments after I had gotten settled in, I heard my mom stirring. She mumbled something and hung her head over the edge of the pull-out couch and looked directly at me. I thought for sure I was in for it. But after a moment, she lifted her head without saying a word and went back to sleep. I fell asleep shortly after that. The next morning, I awoke to my mom telling Tony about a dream she had. They hadn't realized I was asleep underneath the pullout and spoke freely. She told him that she had dreamt she heard a noise under her bed, and when she went to see what was causing it, she saw a red, bouncing ball. That's it. That's all she remembered. Fast forward to me, about 20 years old. Me, my aunt, and a couple of cousins were visiting with my maternal grandmother. We were just sitting around, laughing, telling funny stories. And at some point, my grandmother mentioned the fact that at least two of my great-aunts were into Santeria which eventually led to this story. They grew up in Puerto Rico, and when they were little, they used to bathe in a dirt-floored kitchen in a big metal tub. Not a bathtub, but one of those Mm -hmm. big farm-style metal trough thingies. (laughs) They didn't have much light at night, and many times were forced to bathe in the near dark. It really spooked them out. However, there were six sisters, and so they rarely had to bathe alone. On one of those occasions, when my grandmother was bathing one of her sisters, they heard a noise coming from the top of the stairs leading down into the kitchen area. They knew something wasn't right because the rest of the family hadn't returned from a trip to town they had taken. They stopped talking and listened, but nothing. Once they relaxed and continued with their chatter, they heard it again. It sounded like a soft, rhythmic thumping coming from the top of the stairs. As they peered in the direction of the stairs, they both saw a translucent red ball bouncing, coming down the stairs as if in slow motion, and by the time it reached the bottom step, it simply disappeared. She said laughingly that they had both ran out of the kitchen screaming butt naked into the yard. (laughs) I was dumbstruck by this and told my grandmother about my mom's dream when I was seven. She seemed literally not phased in the least and simply shrugged and said, I guess it runs in the family. Crazy. How, like the 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 combination of those two things, right? I I kept thinking about that creepy room of the curtains. So just to make sure I'm understanding it right, yeah. just from what you said, make sure I didn't miss something. The curtains were on uh, a variety of walls, like all the walls. So walls that don't have windows, correct? Have curtains, correct? I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't no, think I, why? I'll... Why would you? Why would that be a thing? That's really fucking creepy. And then when you're a kid and you're imagining, I mean, it's creepy as an adult, right? If I went into a, if I was visiting a friend and they're like, oh, here's your guest room. And you're saying here. And I, and there, and I knew, let's just see that I could see the exterior of this room. And mm-hmm. I knew that there was only one window. Like I'm thinking about like our guest bedroom. There's one window. If we had curtains on every <sighs> other window, knowing full well that they're interior walls, I'd be like, what the fuck is that about? I but, would have to look behind all of them. Like, what are you hiding behind these but curtains? But when you're a kid. When you're a kid, you don't want to get in trouble. And you're really, really scared. Right. And you're scared. Yeah. I, I just think like it's so creepy because when I think about curtains, I think about opening up the curtains to something beyond the wall. Correct. Like the window. And then you open up the windows and it you know, goes down the outside. And then when they're just on a wall with no windows, I just think about like, what are you opening up to? 
Right. Right. Or, or what are you hiding? Is there weird what occult shit behind the curtains? Yeah, I figured that there was like some sort of like paintings that Tony, the boyfriend, didn't want to cover up. Because mm-hmm. if it was if it was um, artwork, he could just take it down. Right. right? But it, I feel like yeah, what it would be more work to hang there? up curtains to cover things than just take something off the wall. Mm-hmm. So it's something that he felt like needed to be there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really creepy. Really creepy. Just like the uh, uh, you okay? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> just the um, the exorcism, mm-hmm. and then the red bouncing ball, and the family. It's like. Oh, okay. I bet if you got that family together and really started trading tales and really mm-hmm. dug into it, I bet there's a long history of a variety of weird encounters. Somebody, maybe there's a, a curse somewhere along the road, like where someone says like, oh, you know, this mm-hmm. this person put a hex on me. I don't know. It just felt really. Yeah. Good, good spooky story. Unsettling, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, thank you for sending that in. Yeah, thank you, Teresa. And now our another fan of the show, Kim, has sent in a story <laughs> and the title of like because you know I can see the subject line. Yeah. It just made me laugh so hard that I was like, okay, I gotta read this one. Uh her subject line was Gnome Alone. Gnome Alone. Oh yeah, that's right. You mentioned there was gonna be <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, gnome alone. Good, good, good so play of home alone. Okay, and like to me, gnomes are inherently creepy. Yeah, they are weird little. I mean, they can be cute. They sometimes. can be cute, but a lot of them have like a mischievous little grin on them, and they have like sinister little eyes. I mean, yeah, um, yeah, because they're like a lot of times, like the gnome is like like a sinister little character. Like uh, he's gonna, he's gonna mess some things up in the garden or whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then I so then I was googling because I was like, oh god, there's a. A scary gnome movie? Well, it turns out there is actually <laughs> yeah. a scary gnome movie yeah, called Gnome Alone. Oh, hilarious. So I don't know if, Kim, I don't know if you knew that or if it was just by chance. It, it didn't get great reviews, so maybe. I, I, yeah. Um, but then, but the other one was called Night of the Gnomes. Okay. And that, that is actually a horror movie. Huh? It, again, not great reviews, but yeah. it might be entertaining. But then I got myself all worked up because Kyler loves gnomes. Yeah, loves them. And Kyler's room is where I always hear the weird noise coming from. Oh my god! Like his little gnomes and I was like, "Oh my there. god! Is it the gnomes?" I just picture child's play, but with gnomes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay, well, let's find out what's going on with Kim and uh, a, a very, very strange, creepy encounter with a gnome. Okay. Hey, Dan and Lindsay, love the podcast. I listen to you every day on my way to and from work. I'm a total creeper. Anything dark and spooky is my jam. <laughs> I'm just going to jump right in. No need to procrastinate. In September of 2019, I left my husband of 22 years and was briefly homeless. Needless to say that when I found an apartment that was within my meager budget, I jumped on it. As I was preparing to move in, my 20-year-old daughter also needed a place to stay. I was thrilled to have a roommate as I had not quite adjusted to the life of a single woman. The apartment that I found was not the best in the world. Like I said, low budget. Eek. But it was a small one-bedroom, just for me, very old and not in the best shape, but it beat being homeless. Now, onto the creepy. The hot water heater was in an open closet next to the bathroom, which happened to be right off my bedroom. As we were moving in, I was putting a box on a shelf in said closet when I discovered something behind the hot water heater. I called out to my daughter to bring me a flashlight, and we uncovered a creepy-ass Santa Claus gnome statue behind the water heater. Mm -hmm. I honestly didn't think anything of, of it other than it just being odd and out of place back there. We got moved in and everything set up. Nothing out of the ordinary happened right away. 
I suppose we were in the apartment for a few days before the first weird thing happened. My daughter was out with her boyfriend for the night, so I was home alone in the apartment. I had just laid down for the night and was getting snuggled in when I heard feet running towards my bed. My eyes were closed, but I could sense someone standing right beside me. I could even hear them breathing. The feeling passed after a few minutes, and I simply chalked it up to living in a new place and getting used to sleeping alone. The sound of running of feet across my bedroom happened almost nightly. (sighs) Then that little bastard started harassing my daughter during the day while I was at work. She would often find the back door open, even though she had deadbolted it after I had left. The TV would turn on by itself, a drawer would open on its own, and a cabinet door would fling itself open. Just little things. She would also hear the running at night and always had the sensation of being watched. We had two rescue kitties, and they would sit and stare into the corner of the room in the direction of the closet that held the hot water heater and the creepy gnome. We both had problems with things going missing. I can't tell you how many times I was late for work trying to find my keys and then would find them in a drawer or in another room that I definitely had not left them in. We had a key hook at the back door, and that's where the keys always went when I got home. It didn't take long for us to realize we were living in what we thought was going in what we thought was a haunted house. I know, I know, get the fuck out. (laughs) We suspected that damn gnome because he was always in a different position whenever we checked on him. But we were also entertaining the possibility of the spirit of an old man. My daughter started having sleep paralysis. She would wake up and see an old man watching her from the corner of the room. He would go away as soon as her body would start waking from paralysis. I tried to get her to sleep with me, but honestly, what 20-year-old wants to sleep with their mom? <laughs> the, uh, this thing seemed to like to torment my daughter more than me. One day, she called me while I was at work, terrified. She had locked all of the doors since she was home alone and went to take a shower to get ready for work. While she was in the bathroom, she heard the back door, uh, she heard the back door open, followed by someone in the kitchen, then cabinet doors slamming and loud footsteps stomping around. She called me from the bathroom to ask me why I was home from work, but I was at work, sitting at my desk when I received her call. We were both freaking out by now. I wanted her to call the police, but she wanted to be brave and go whoop somebody's ass. She said, hang on, mom, and left me on the phone while she went to investigate the intruder. It took all about 20 seconds for her to get back on the phone. She said that the back door was still locked, deadbolted, but that every cabinet in the kitchen was open. The cats were going crazy, meowing and hissing and refusing to step one foot into the kitchen. All of these strange things happened over the span of about three months, but terrorizing my daughter was my last straw. The gnome had to go. (laughs) I asked my daughter's boyfriend to help us get rid of that freaky little bastard, and he happily accepted the challenge since he is a fellow creeper. I'm not sure what he did with it, and honestly, I don't care. As soon as Wicked Santa was gone, nothing else weird or paranormal happened ever again in the apartment. Keep on being creepy, Kim. Thanks, Kim. That's that is creepy. It's fucking creepy. I, I just kept thinking. I gave myself the chills just thinking about uh, midway through that story. Uh, not that this happened, you know, in the story, but just thinking about like a little creepy gnome. I was just picturing like our bedroom and just the way like we shut our door, but we don't shut it completely. How fucking terrifying that would be if all of a sudden. Thank middle, you for this visual. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Yep. Middle of the night, door just kind of creaks open. Oh God. Little bit. Sometimes it does creak open. I know. Creaks open a little bit. Dogs start to growl. Oh my a little God. Bit. And then you look and you see just the shadow, the silhouette of a little doll come into the darkness because you could see it come in. There's Remember enough- the running dolls that we had last week? The dolls oh that were God. running around? 
Do you remember? No. That fan story? He like uh, went, um, he was staying at his aunt's house and he went to use the bathroom in the middle of the night and like he had to go through the master bedroom and there were dolls on the bed and then when he came out, the dolls were tra- oh, tracking yes, his yes, movements. Oh, yes, 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 Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then like yeah. later, like he heard his uh, uh, family talking about it and the yeah. the aunt had said she had seen the dolls running right, around the right. house. Yes, yes. Now I remember. Oh my God. Yeah, I just think about like like that would mess me up so bad, especially like uh, just to continue this terrible sorry. fantasy to make it. No, 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 just to make it uh, uh, extra scary for you. But like, because like when the door opens a little bit, there's like a little light somewhere in the hallway that's attached to maybe like a carbon monoxide thing. Like, uh, oh yeah, yeah, the sm- yeah, carbon monoxide and smoke detector. Yeah, but it gives just enough light. Yeah, it's like that, a little flash. Mm-hmm, there'd be more in the room, almost like that, like that horror movie, like strobe scene where you yeah, can yeah, see yeah. it in its darkness. And you see it, but I was picturing like that flash illuminating little figure walks in, but then once it gets in, it's complete darkness. Oh my God. Oh, that would be the worst way to wake up and see something like that. I was, I mean, yes. There's a lot of things that tie for worse, but that's one of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a terrifying scenario that you've built for me. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if this is uh, a common thing for women to do because when I was reading this and she was saying that her daughter had locked all the doors because she was going to take a shower because she was home alone. When I'm home alone, I lock every door, I turn the alarm on, and then I go take a shower. Because I'm so uh, terrified uh, at the idea of, like, being in the shower, can't mm-hmm. hear anything. And, and it's, you know, it's a trope from a million sure. movies. So it's like, I know and where the idea comes from. But and you're, you're just so, more vulnerable. Exactly. You're so vulnerable. Yeah. I take my phone with me. I uh, I bring the dogs in with me. I lock the bathroom door. Or it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah. I, so to, if I came out of the shower... And the alarm was still set, and the doors were all locked. Like you didn't suddenly come home, and all of the well, no, all the cabinets in the kitchen were open. Oh yeah, that's what mm-hmm. she came out to. Mm-hmm. True, at the end of that story, I mean, yeah. She heard like the stomping and stuff. Our house right. makes a lot of sounds, so I don't know that I would be freaked out by sounds as much as any obvious disturbance in the house that I know I hadn't caused. Oh yeah, what if you hear that like that, and then like like up the stairs to the kids' hallway? Then you go up. And you see all the cabinets open. I feel a little bit nauseous right and, now. And then you're looking at the open cabinets and you hear like like little scurrying around upstairs. I'm just going to hope that there's like a really cute bunny rabbit up there. Uh, what if all the cabinets are open and one of the knives is missing? And you're I'm going to get my gun. Yeah. Yeah, that's my plan. Mm-hmm. Doll, a doll would suck as an adversary of like of like a like a. A, th- a thing that yeah. you can fight that has a form because yeah. it's so little. I don't know if I'm a good enough shot to mm. shoot a, a moving doll, mm. especially if I'm freaked out. Uh, probably not. We would probably just have so many holes in our house and still a terrorizing doll. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm not. I'm. I'm a decent shot, but I'm not a great shot. So I. I think I would have the same small, problem. Small moving target, and then with the handgun, that's tricky. Uh, how How funny would it be to have a little gnome uh-huh. with a little tiny gun? <laughs> <laughs> ah, come here. He's shooting back at you. <laughs> it's like a BB gun. Weighing him down and shit. <laughs> he like walks lopsided because his gun's too heavy. You're gonna put my you're gonna put my eye out, gnome. Um, oh my god. Oh boy. Creepy, creepy, creepy stuff this week. I like I like these epi- this episode. Yeah, me too. I mean, I've never not liked an episode. Do you want to do the first Annabelle shoutouts or do you want me to? Okay, no, I can go first. I would like I love to- your dress too, by the way. Thank you. It's um they're like sloths. The- Oh. I was said they're moths. There's sloths. Oh, it is sloths. I was like bird or something. I was way off. No, I don't think there's any birds. No, it's sloths. Okay. 
Sloss, take me back to Panama. <laughs> uh, okay, I would like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting the show and helping us do what we do. Jessica Broussard, Robin Mosscrop, Lisa Moore, Clarissa Pino, Sarah Saltvik, Henry Jose, Shayla Brown, Jennifer Svoboda, John Rith, Chris Fryer, Stacey Thornton, The Jade, Jamie <laughs> Colt, Clint Everard, longtime fan. Like uh, he, we message a lot about a variety of things. He has great insight. Uh. Liz Barton, Caitlin Pyle, Keegan McGonigal, Martin Alcaraz, Debbie Himmelberger, Athena Cobb, Mike Toms, Toya Isle, Kirsten Ketchum, Darian, no last name given, Lauren Deister, and Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson. I mean, not Kate Hudson. You don't know. Could be, could be Kate Hudson. I, I'm sure. I knew that you would have that reaction, mm-hmm. and I already was like, this poor woman is probably like, <laughs> or however you identify. Poor Kate. Yeah. Probably every time someone says the full name Kate Hudson, it's like. <gasps> or it's Kate Hudson. Okay, listen. If it's Kate Hudson, I really love her siblings podcast, and my brother and I would love to be a guest. <laughs> and uh, also, you say Katie McGonagall? Uh, I said Keegan McGonagall. Keegan, Keegan McGonagall. Uh, Keegan, it, are you related to Jamie, perhaps? Because Jamie McGonagall is the. That's true. That's true. That's true. From the from the Secret Suck. Oh my gosh! I was trying to figure out and why her that, mom Lynn. I was trying to figure out why that name sounded familiar. Mm-hmm. Lynn then, and Jamie. But then I. Uh, associated it with Sex in the City. Um, mm. Charlotte's husband, uh, what was his name? Something. No idea. Yeah. You're not helpful. <laughs> Trey. Trey McGonagall. Oh. Got it. He had a crazy mom. Uh, I want to thank the following Annabelle's Michelle Lucero, Nicole Riccio, uh, Jeff Medeiros, Nick Petrov, SLP. Pet- Petrov. <laughs> Petrov? It's, I bet there's, it's Petrov. No, there's an E at the end. Oh. So probably not. Uh, uh, SLP um, PCP mom hilarious I, I, know, I was like PCP or wait wait oh I was thinking ICP <laughs> no PCP like the drug I don't know what SLP is uh, Chrissy Chrissy Shegrid Benjamin Garad Ashley Aaron Rivera uh, Lindsay Williams Jim Lee Kylie Martin Michael Stewart Bailey Maple Bailey Maple sounds like a nice dessert <laughs> I'll have a Bailey Maple or, or a drink. She's like, she's like, heard that before. Like a nice summer drink. I like a Bailey Maple. Or he's heard that before. Uh, Matthew Hastings, Dominic Ashcraft, Becca Stinson, Shay Jordan, Ed Soderstrom, Jennifer Skull, Jacqueline Perez, Haley Silvernail, Bradley Cowley, Dennis Neal, Sarah Henderson, and Josh Mater. Well done. I forgot to thank Julianne for my socks today. Oh. I, I remember they were with the car or the note oh, that she yeah. left. And so I'm sorry I forgot to say thank you. But thank you, Julianne. I like my little black kitty cats. And, thank, and thanks uh, to some of the creeps and peepers for the gifts in the uh, after some of the Texas shows and also the uh, Portland shows. So fun the, uh, this past weekend as we record this. Yeah. Uh, d- definitely have, you know, like comedy fans coming out and also some scared to death fans. I know the stand-up shows are, are different, but you seem to be having a good time and yeah. happy for it. Yeah. Yeah. We do get the things that you send back to the group. Yeah. Room, so thank you. And mm-hmm. we bring them home, and you know, we read the notes, and then we give everything to Logan. And so, just keep yeah. an eye on social media because we really do make a very concerted effort to post all of the the gifts. Yeah, there we appreciate. So you it. get proper recognition. Um, and then, can I do my? Yeah. Okay. Thank Spoopy you. shout outs. Spoopy shouts to Evan from Hannah. Happy belated birthday and anniversary to Maddie from Cortez. Happy anniversary, and I love you. Maddie is in her third trimester right now oh, with wow. her very first baby. So. Good luck. I hope everything's going well for you both, mm-hmm. all three of you. Joshua, a.k.a. Percy from Genevieve, a.k.a. Annabeth. Happy birthday. 
something, some inside joke there, <laughs> to Jocelyn from Taylor, happy belated birthday and anniversary, to Andrew from Olivia, happy birthday, and to Harley from Hansel, happy belated birthday. Aww. And they're often so belated. Like, guys, if you want a shout out, I just mm-hmm. need to say this, advance, advance, <laughs> advance. Like, I'm literally getting requests already for January. Oh, wow. And because we pared it down so that we yeah. could do the Annabelle shout outs, you gotta get in early. Get in early. Get it in. Uh, get it in. And that's our show this week. Thank you for uh, continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith on social media and for the badmagicmerch.com designs. Store at badmagicproductions.com for customer service. Joe Paisley for producing and directing today. Zach Cohen for custom custom soundbed creation. Thanks to Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. And to Sarah Finch for finding the first story. And to Olivia Lee for finding the second. And if you don't want to hear more ads, if you want monthly bonus episodes to help donate to our charities and more, please check out our Patreon. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye, y'all. If spirits threaten me in this place... Fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but has no home here within scared to death. Add Magic Productions. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.